Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> that was a little delayed. I'm leaving that in there. <laughs> so I wanted to start out today just talking briefly about Netflix. So Netflix took a giant bomb. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't particularly care. But it seems to kind of boil down to the fact that they raise their subscriptions and they've axed a lot of TV shows that people enjoyed. And I know a lot of people that are just like, fuck Netflix lately. Yeah, they, well, the numbers I saw were anywhere between 35 and 40%, depending on the source. I think there's a lot of factors involved in this, if I'm being honest, and none of them really go Netflix's way. There's the things I just talked about. There's also the fact that the pandemic is not as wild as it was so people aren't at home and since the pandemic started we had hbo max launch we had disney plus launch right before the pandemic started right like what three months before it kind of hit the states yeah or at least that we knew about yeah and then you got paramount plus you got amc plus (laughs) you know they're really like Knocking down the business. Yeah, Tubi. No, Crackle's been done for a while. Roku Channel. Crackle was- I'm getting Roku Channel when that Weird Al biopic comes out. (laughs) How are you getting there? Are you going to buy a Roku? I think you can just subscribe to it like any other streaming service. So I actually did check on this one time because we were doing an in-syndication episode where there were some shows on Roku, and I was trying to watch it on my computer. And the only way to watch Roku channels, at least then, was you had to have a Roku. But if you have one, it's free. It's so just you have to have one. that has changed since they acquired all of the Quibi library. Had they done that at this time? Um, when I checked it before... I can't remember anymore. I don't think they had bought it all yet, but I know they incorporated a lot of Quibi shows into the Roku channel. That is for sure. Uh, there's a lot of really bad seven minute long content on the Roku <laughs> channel. There's other things too, but there's like a weird mishmash of stuff. Honestly, it's like Crackle with less commercials. I'll find out when I get it so that I can watch Weird Al biopic. Like, you just have to get a Roku player. You can get one pretty fucking cheap. Like, you can probably get one for, like, 20 bucks. Maybe I just... know somebody and just has it, and I don't know that they have it, and I'll find out. <laughs> Do you just want to come over and watch it? Do you have a Roku? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll just come over here. <laughs> that seems easier. Yeah, it probably is. Anyway, getting back to what we're talking about, I think all of those platforms launching hurt Netflix because they weren't the only game in town, but they were definitely the dominant game in town. And I don't think there was that many more streamers. You know what I mean? Like, I think we've kind of hit peak streamers outside of people fucking and having more kids. And we know that kids don't share their passwords. That's another thing that worked against Netflix is now they're They're cracking down on password sharing. I can't believe they've gone this long without doing it. I don't know why it bothers me, but it's always bothered me. I hate that people just take somebody's password and run off with it. You know what it is? It's a very specific thing. It's these guys in their 20s that like 
spend their shit on like stupid shit and then they try and make me out like I'm dumb because I don't have my parents' passwords for like all the stuff and I'm like I am the parent asshole. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well now you gotta pay for shit. How does it feel? Well see I know we were using friend of ours password for years, but it was one of those things like they bought uh Netflix and then we had I can't remember what they paid for one and then we paid for the other. And then yeah. we just shared both of them it's a different circumstance and also you have kids like you don't have a ton of disposable income so you'd get a pass anyway but whatever they're doing away with that and then on top of everything else they have been stubbornly hanging to this binge model and i think that was fun to shake things up when they were first going because they were close to the only game in town you kind of had hulu but hulu was garbage at that point like hulu way back in the days when netflix you know started to stream they were more a web-based thing and when they started to like expand out they were solely based on like old tv shows that was all they had was just old yeah old i used to watch like sliders and yeah like i remember leaving stuff on that i remember looking at the hulu service And just being like, do I want to pay for this? And I went through seriously like 500 things. And I was like, there's nothing I fucking want to watch on this (laughs) that I can't already watch for free on Hulu. So fuck this. And then around the time they got the commercial free Hulu was when they started getting original content and started getting newer content. And then they kind of became players. But I thought that Hulu had original content right out of the gates. What they did originally... They just were a hub for all the networks. And I mean all no, the but networks. What about, Tuck, to what like, about Deadbeat? The one with the guy that is Tucker or Dale from Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's also got Cal Penn and the guy can see ghosts. I don't know anything about this it's, show, so I can't speak to it. It was one of the flagship like launch titles of Hulu, and it was an original show. Re- since the beginning of Hulu, they've been releasing original horror films. That are like uh, kind of in between a TV horror movie, like straight to TV horror movie and like a premiere streaming horror. See, that was still way after Hulu started because Hulu has been around since the 2000s. Yeah. Because I was I was I was watching it when I was unemployed in Belgrade. Dude, Which I've was been... 2009, 2010, because I would watch yeah. I would watch Sliders, Quantum Leap, and The Daily Show. I'm gonna go further because like you say 2009, 2010. I got married in 2009. I was watching Hulu at least as early as 2007 on the internet. But that's the thing. They yeah. weren't streaming per se. It was just on the internet. So if you had a laptop or something, you could watch it. But I remember it was a hub for all the major networks. And so they would have a show on. And the whole reason to watch it on Hulu is it would come on the day after. And at the commercial break spot, they would just have one commercial instead of a slew of commercials. Instead of watching 30 minutes with like eight minutes of commercials, you could watch like a 22 minute show with like another minute and a half of commercials, but it would be the same commercial over and over again. Like it would be like target, 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 target was targeting you, you know? I remember they started to bring in second-run movies that nobody really cared about, right? So they would have it, and they would interject in the same kind of commercial break. So it was like every 20 minutes, they would have one commercial. 
but it would be the same fucking commercial for an entire movie, which was like so irritating. And then Hulu started to, around the time they got the commercial free, I remember they started making some original shows like uh, the the Billy on the Street guy. Is it Billy Eichner? Yeah. He had a show Horrible called Difficult People. Pe- is that what it was? Horrible people? It could be difficult people. It was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Amy Poehler was like the showrunner on it. I really wanted to like it, but I think I watched the first season and just kind of gave up on it. And then pretty soon after that, I maybe a year after that, they had the uh the uh hot wet hot American summer, like the first season that they did of that show. There was that James Franco eleven twenty two sixty three. <laughs> yeah that one that one that kind of nobody really talked about i'm just saying like yeah. that was an attempt at like a netflix level show a hulu original netflix level show they really failed at first they yeah. really failed at first but they got there and they got there partly because people started to see the success of netflix and so you eventually you just have disney buy it all you know up, right? it looks like they've done a fairly good job with documentaries they've got some interesting ones they did one called batman and bill that was about yeah that bill. came out way after like I know, i'm, the, t- I'm talking about the re- origins I'm, of hulu. and i'm, I'm yeah. just talking about more recently it no, no like hulu is they've a, come into their they're own. solid yeah they've been solid for a while and i think their biggest strength right now i mean if i'm speaking out of turn let me know but i think it's their relationship with with the fx network yeah like the fact that fx held off stuff for so long and then they were like all right we're just gonna show it on hulu a couple months after it premieres and now you get it the day after like that's a big deal for them because fx has managed to be kind of a power player if you like comedies yeah like i i mean once they got like um always sunny in philadelphia i mean i watch that all the time um god i was trying to remember what the uh the show with nick <clears throat> offerman it's kind of a devs devs yeah I was just thinking about that today because Alex Garland's got a movie yeah. out called Men. men. <laughs> yeah, I listened to it too. That was for you, Carl. Men, 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 men. Two okay. and a Half Men, your favorite TV show? John Cryer? I think I've watched it twice. Yeah, the entire season. Seriously. No. Twice no. over. I mean, you like, I binged the whole thing. I think I looked at it twice. All <laughs> 12 it. seasons, <laughs> including the Ashton. That thing had 12 seasons. seasons? I I Jesus Christ. I, I believe I, you, dude. I actually, I think that's a lowball number. <laughs> that shit How many was, did that run? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Where were Far you going? too long. Um, I was just going to ask, like, do you get, what do you guys think the future of Netflix is here? Like, do you think they're going to be a major player going forward? Do you think they're going to be I run out exactly of the business? was exactly right. 12 seasons. Yeah, it was 12 <laughs> Jesus. That was a random guess. And I said Jesus because, like, it felt right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, my thought is, okay, so this was another fallout of the, the loss of, is they canceled a bunch of shit. That was in pre-production. One of the things that they canceled was the fourth attempt at an adaptation of the comic book series Bone. My daughter, actually, was one of the things that got her into reading was Bone. Even though I never read Bone, I have a fondness for it because it got my kid to enjoy reading. And that's awesome. You know, that's a good thing. And this guy has straight up given up because this is the fourth time that he's tried. Nickelodeon approached him and then pulled out at the last second. You know, other people have, and this was this was the last straw for him. He released a ten-page comic strip on social media where it was basically the Bone character, and it was uh, a reenactment of the old Peanuts routine with the football. 
and it's like the streaming services holding the football and then pulling it out at the last second. And then he's like, that's it. I'm done in the kind that he sighs at the end. And it's like an homage to peanuts and uh, basically him saying, I'm never going to try to adapt this again. This is going to be a comic book and nothing more yeah. forever. And that's disappointing because it's disappointing. But uh, I have a feeling that a lot of uh, planned projects, upcoming projects are going to get shafted. I'm now, uh, I'm just, I've lost a lot. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe the Sandman won't come out. Maybe Redwall won't come out. I'll be know? honest, man. I, I canceled my I, subscription I, after I got my phone turned back on while we were recording this. Because <laughs> you remembered to cancel it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't really feel bad for Netflix, but I feel bad for adult movies. And this yeah. is ponying off of a conversation we had a couple weeks ago. When I was talking about theaters, which I'm not going to get back into that, but the IP stuff has taken over theaters and now it's taking over streaming. And I've been worrying that like when Netflix and Amazon give up on getting good dramas and like things for adults, that that's just going to go away. Nah, somebody else will pick up that baton. I don't think they will. The only thing people gave a shit about the Oscars was that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock like. Nobody cared about the rest of it. I was expecting to get well, blowback for my opinions on Coda. Nothing, dude. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody even saw it. Nobody cares. Yeah, but Apple that... already won their best picture. Okay. I don't think they care about winning another one. Well, I thought that there were plenty. There's The thing is, is that there's plenty of uh, adult movies out there that get completely ignored and snubbed by the Oscars for various reasons. And they're mostly they? they're mostly bought by Netflix and Amazon. Who are they to fucking dictate what is determined? Like I I reject your premise that the Oscars are in any way a bellwether of the best media uh, movie experiences out there. Like that's fine. I'm not saying they're the end all be all. But they have a lot of great movies that you guys just won't know because you don't check it out. And sure. like, but the, that but also... the thing, but the point I'm trying to make is Netflix was the one buying these independent films and now and somebody giving else them a will. platform. I don't think they will. Like, they who's will. who's gonna buy them? I don't know, Paramount Plus, some other streaming service that we that doesn't exist yet. Maybe there is a there is still a demand for movies of that I don't type in the think world. There is, and I think that's why this is happening. How like, can I'm you not speak blaming... on such big on such gl- like global terms about this? <laughs> like, I'm only challenging you not because I know that I'm right, but because how could you possibly know that you're right? <laughs> okay, Brandon. Let me ask you a question. We're going. gonna we're gonna review two movies today, right? Yeah. Which were both independent movies and independently funded. Yeah. Do you honestly, in your heart of hearts, think that either of these manages to get to a hundred million dollars? No. No. That's not the world we live in That's anymore. Also, not the intent. They're of those... forty-five, fifty million dollar movies. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, and if these things had come out five years ago, easily would have been a hundred million dollar movie. That's just not where we are anymore. Like it's superheroes, Transformers, or Go Home. And okay, I, but I like okay. some of this stuff, but like I want other things. I just don't think that's the world we live in anymore. I don't think there's going to be a corporation that's going to be bankrolling these things anymore. Well, think. 
think about okay, think about this though. The 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 film company that made the Lord of the Rings no longer exists. It stopped being profitable before. Oh, are you talking about Miramax? Yeah. It was because they split with Disney and then they turned into the Weinstein but company. But there's other things, there's other factors and one of those is the fact that making such a hugely profitable thing like Lord of the Rings was a big part of what caused them to then how do you top something like that? You don't. You go under and then everything gets dissolved and turned into other things. And then those things make other things. And so like Netflix, maybe Netflix goes away, but like the 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 desire the underlying desire to like put this stuff out there and tr- and take risks, like that's never going. That's part of the I human don't, condition. <clears throat> what you're talking about would it's be a right would it's, be like a writer and director thing. I don't forever. see those being bankrolled by companies with money, which is how these things get made. That's what I'm trying to get. Let me let me give you an example. A24, like right. pretty respectable, right? Everybody knows A24. How many movies do they put out in a year? Like two, three? Five tops. So like great year, they get five movies out. That's five movies. That's it. It's just five. And if you don't like four of them, like tough shit, you know? This is not like morning Netflix potentially folding. This is like, I hate that movies that genuinely challenge me feel like they're going away. It just feels that way because nobody cares anymore. Like we even well, do you know, it on I the realize show. that it's a bad comparison because the production, the ultimate production cost of a of music versus the production cost of a movie, very different. Movies are vastly more expensive. And just like we could record an album here in this room and put it out for for basically nothing. Right. But I will say that like there's always been multiple venues for music. There's the radio and what's popular. And then there's like 10 million things that you've never heard of because they're not on the radio. But they are still out there and they all have their own, like whether it's a local following or a certain medium or a genre or whatever. There are like ways that people discover these things and then people are making them and they get it, right? Like there's movies, there's huge budget movies that we've never heard of. There's like shitloads of them. Because they're made in other countries. And we're just completely not in their market. So, you know. I mean, you say all of this, but I would say I world. would say back to you that 60% of the Oscar movies were definitely not made in the United States. Right. But of the. So I'm aware of that. And those movies are even starting to dry up because those movies like they're all part of the big company thing. Like they're all it's it's all interconnected now. Like they make a Transformers movie. They're filming 40 minutes of it. That's just for a Chinese audience that they don't even want American audiences to see because it doesn't involve well, us. maybe like six minutes. Regardless, like they're putting in a star that like we'll never see or more than like a passing reference to because they're making it for the entire globe. I'm just bemoaning the fact that if you want to make a TV show that's creative, that's still going strong right now. Although I would say that the signs are pointing to not much longer because I think it's all going to be IP. I think it's all going to be tied in with movies now. Like, I think that's the next direction we're going. We've already been heading there. I mean, like, okay. Just one aspect, just one facet. This hasn't come out because we haven't put out any Patreon episodes, but you read off a list of all the video game adaptations that were coming out over the year. And that (laughs) list was, what, 30, 40 things? Yeah. Based on video games, dude. Yeah, that's a new thing. It's an emerging That's a new thing. That's a new IP that they're exploiting. But a lot of those have probably are being... They're also, those are like some of the first things to go 
when there's a shakeup like this. Like I have a feeling one or two of those oh, Netflix sure. programs yeah. that are not going to get made now because. But I'm betting the, the things the that they that do a, make are probably more in line with that than they you know, are. No, Paramount with like, Plus has that Halo TV show going on right now. Have no, I don't like Halo. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> but even like who you looked gives at me like, did you, did you watch it? Like the answer is no. Is it video game? I'm not watching it. <laughs> like. That's I don't play video games. You'd watch a Pac-Man TV show. I watched the Pac-Man cartoon when I was You're five. I will cap to that. It had a theme song that went <laughs> Pac-Man. That Tetris, that's got a fucking pretty solid theme song too. <laughs> I can't wait for them to come up with the Tetris like extent expanded universe. You know what would you know what would be a fun Tetrisphere. one? Okay. So you what this is how I would this is how I would write a Tetris movie, right? Basically I would do Nick, Nicolas Cage National Treasure, but he's trying to get each shape for know? Tetris. I'm I'm Nicolas Cage. Wait. Uh, uh I'm Nicolas Cage. We're today we're gonna steal the squiggly L shaped piece. <laughs> the backwards L. Alright, well if we're gonna serve this up on a platter. So uh Brandon and I went and saw the unbearable weight, weight of the unbearable weight of massive talent. You know what's funny? I said the unbearable weight because I was trying to like look down at the thing, and then I realized I accidentally said the right word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what did you think of this movie, Brian? I'm gonna let you lead it off. This movie was a lot of fun. Like it, it wasn't the best movie, I, but it, I saw this weekend. But it was definitely number two. I saw this weekend. It's gonna get snubbed the, at the Oscars. Oh, there's no, there's, there's no, no there's, reason to put this up for an Oscar. No, <laughs> the Oscar. There's no reason. But I mean, we get all of the best Nick Cage. We got serious Nick Cage. We've got crazy Nick Cage. Like in the same scene, he has like delusions. So whenever he needs an ego stroke or he's upset because of something with his ego, they have this convention where 90s Nick Cage comes to talk to him. <laughs> and so 90s Nick Cage is basically, the, I mean, they clearly de-aged Nick Cage, yeah. right? But then also put this weird pale makeup on him as well. <laughs> they, I can't place what movie it was, but it's definitely from a movie. He has very specific sideburns and a haircut. From like a 90s movie, but I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, it's like post uh, Vampire's Kiss, but... This is not adaptation. It's not clever-like adaptation. However, he does fight 90s Nick Cage a few times and then makes out with him in one scene. <laughs> and there is a scene where he's like trying to get modern Nick Cage fired up for who he is. And he says, I'm And the breath was in there, right? Like, it was so yeah. good oh, they yeah. played it again at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is real dumb, but it's fun. It, it is fun. It's not like It's the, not breaking the mold by any means. It's just it, the idea it, of, like, okay. shallow actor trying to reconnect with his daughter happens upon a drug plot. Uh, I mean, we've, we've actually seen smart? this before. No, no, not at all. Yeah, this, is, exactly. this, is, this is fine. I'm saying, like, this isn't super clever. It's a fine comedy that you will 
laugh at six or seven times. Yeah. Does that sound fair? Yeah. And That's... I mean, the, the interplay between Nick Cage and uh, Pedro Pascal is a lot of fun. Yes. Pedro Pascal handles it very well. Yeah. He's very good at kind of being the center so that Nick Cage can go unhinged in several different directions. Right? Because we do yeah. see the whole range of Cage. We see Rage Cage a few times. I was a little depressed at his delivery talking about bees. <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, he, they wanted him to have a bee belt, but he didn't get the bee belt. He yeah. literally says it like Brandon said that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish he got a little bit of Rage Cage on that one. Or a lot of Rage Cage, honestly. <laughs> but um, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Like, if you like Nicolas Cage, you have to like Nicolas Cage to watch that movie. I will put this out. If you do not enjoy Nicolas Cage, there's no fucking way you're getting through this movie. you get all the Nick Cage. You get all the Nick Cage, and it's a (laughs) lot of Nick Cage. Now, I'm going to say my film snobby thing for just a second. I do believe that this movie is actually talking about making movies in that Nick Cage is playing the actor who, like, can get vehicles made. And then Pedro Pascal is a screenwriter, which he literally is in that movie, right? Yeah. But then I think standing in for the director is, like, the CIA people who are instructing Nick Cage where to go, what to do. They're giving him this, like, plot line. They're, like, telling him to add things in. They're, like, kind of undermining the script writing process a little bit. Literally at one part, right? Yeah. And then I think that the drug dealers who are really behind everything, I guess, spoilers, like, Jesus, you can't see this coming a mile away. Like, what's wrong with you? But uh, the drug dealers in it, I think, are supposed to be a stand-in for the media because the media, like, shoot you down and they, like disrupt everything and they try and put this like false thing out there right like they're literally putting out a false narrative about the screenwriter see i almost thought they're more like uh the uh backers and like the producers yeah like i started to think that but then i started to think maybe the media was the better yeah the better cop to it but i i was thinking along those lines last night i thought about this far too hard (laughs) like you should not be thinking when you come out of this movie it's like i said like you'll sit down there's like six or seven really funny jokes there's a bunch of jokes but like there's six or seven like rolling your seat laughing jokes which is like fine it's it's a good comedy yeah am i gonna watch it again probably not but i enjoyed it like it was a good time at the movies yeah i'll probably watch it again when it hits streaming or whatever Okay, so let's talk about something with no IP whatsoever, because weirdly enough, that Nick Cage movie, tons of IP. Like, it's an extended universe of Nick Cage (laughs) franchises. They're all there. They're all there at some point, for the most part. But uh, let's talk about Barry, because I think we all watch Barry, right? Yeah, speaking of things that uh, talk about movies and stuff being made (laughs) yeah they're straight up behind the scenes of you kind of get to see a whole sequence that goes through what happens on a set that was really cool it was a good episode yeah holy shit the ending the beginning the middle all the parts dude (laughs) the beginning the dude forgives the guy there's no forgiving cherry or whatever he doesn't even yell he's way too calm when he kills him (laughs) just shoots them both like you can't hire me to kill this guy make the guy dig his own grave and then back out of all of it (laughs) now you both fill this grave (laughs) that was awesome (laughs) did you happen to watch the recap the one that no ho no ho hank uh, narrates yeah 
Yeah, they had yeah, no ho like, hang to the recap. I did that like a week ago. Oh, okay. It came out like a week ago, so I watched it back then. I did not, and then Amanda needed to watch the recap because she didn't remember anything, and I heard that he narrated it, so I, I made sure to put it on. Hilarious. I love that dude. He is so funny. Like, when they catch him in the footage, uh, the cops get this footage of him, and he's just, like, has his foot up on yeah. the, up on the car, like, just, like, closing. lounging around. <laughs> that guy is fucking brilliant, man. He is so funny in that. So, quick question. I missed it. I forget. Uh, his relationship with the cartel boss is that a new, is that brand new information in, from this episode that he's a lover with him? Yeah, I the, think so. Okay, that I was pretty because so. that was pretty great, and it just felt so as he's like, wait, no, they started to like like each other, and then Barry came in and killed everybody, but we didn't know that they like liked each okay. other yet. Like, I don't. They think. make such it's a weirdly been, it's great literally couple. been three years since the last season. Yeah. So they make a weirdly great couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that Hank's happy. Hank's yeah. kind of always happy no matter what's happening. And uh, what's the girl's name? Sarah? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, I get a perverse joy out of her misery because she kind of brought a lot of it onto herself. But also just, it sucks seeing somebody get chewed up by the Hollywood machine. Yeah. Like exactly the kind of stuff you were talking about, like committees looking for a very specific thing that their focus groups told them to look for. So they're either going to like the ladies, like, Oh, the best scene of your show. And then she is talking about a character that's not even on their show. Like she's remembering a different, different show, show. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Like why, why are you the one here judging this? Like deciding if this should keep going or not. You don't even know what you're looking at. Like, Well, and she has a part where she's like, so the daughter's sleeping in the bed with the mother. And they're like, yeah. And she's like, and you're not commenting on this? So I see a scene that you're not commenting on. It's like, what's there to comment on, you the, fucking weirdo? They're family members and they share a house. Like, big deal. Yeah. And But then the By way the way, that weirdo talked, was played by Elizabeth Perkins. Just wanted to put that out there. The the executive lady? Yeah. 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 Why did she, I stared at her and was like. She was in a lot of movies in the 80s and 90s. She was Tom Hanks's love interest in Big. She was in the okay. Flintstones. She was like Betty Rubble in, hmm. in the Flintstones movie. Yeah, she really like. She's in a lot of shit. She struck some nerve in me where I was like, this face looks familiar, but I did, couldn't place it. Yeah. Uh, the way that Sarah treats Darcy Carden's character is like so. She literally gets abuse heaped on her and then she turns around and heaps it right back on oh, her. Yeah. It just rolls down a hill. And the way she couches it with like this, like, I brought you up, you know, but don't talk. And actually, yeah, I want to I want to hold you up and bring you up. And then me. immediately destroys. Yep. brings her, sh- And so it's like, great. Now I'm looking forward to seeing her be miserable some more. <laughs> she's not a good person. No. Um, <sighs> like, it, it's, it's, but this show is kind of filled with that, though. Right. Like other than maybe Darcy Carden, because we don't know a whole lot about her. But I mean. We just talked about the girlfriend. Barry literally kills people the, for a reason. We just talked about it. Like, he's become a cold-blooded killer again. The thing about Barry, though, is, like, the fact that he kills people is not even the worst thing about him. That's not... It's really not. Because, like, I don't know. Like, the people that he's killing are kind of 
people that are hiring people to kill people. Yeah, you know? but he killed a cop because she knew it was him. And oh, that no, cop no. He, was, I'm not saying that like right. that he's a so good he, guy for me. Also, he I'm also killed that, like, his high school friend who found out who he was. Yeah. So he'll kill anybody to protect himself. But that's not like he's a killer. What I'm talking about, though, is and that's but that to hit for him is like it's like an automatic thing. It's just the way that he deals with stuff practically, you know, to dub back on, on the girlfriend, for example, like her thing is her automatic thing is when she gets things heaped on her, she heaps them on other people. And we've seen that throughout the show as well. And I think that stems from the fact that she was abused because we know that about her. Like, she was abused by her boyfriend and she had an abusive relationship with her parents. And so I think that's how she feels like she can take control is by taking control of other people. Yeah, perpetuating the cycle. Yeah. And Barry is like, was trying to break the cycle. But like, I don't know. It almost is like... Him and Sarah are two sides of the same coin in a certain way. Yeah. And uh, and Kuzumato, too. Like, how Kuzumato is like. Kuzuno. Or, sorry, Kuzuno is taking advantage of everybody, too. Like, he did this whole acting thing and was talking about how to get into movies and how to get into TV. But he doesn't fucking know. He never had a real career. Like, they show that over and over again. He was just scamming people. It was like. Come do this class. Now you got to buy my book. Now you have to buy me a beer. Yeah. Now you have to buy me lunch. Like So um, I have a feeling. He didn't deserve to have his girlfriend killed. But my you know. speculation going forward. And this was just something that occurred to me was that because it ends with Kuzino confronting Barry and going to like shoot him. But then as he pulls the gun up, the fucking barrel, like the the. <laughs> the chamber the gun fell basically out. falls apart. Yeah. The chamber so, falls out and literally rolls to his Then feet. it cuts to Barry's got Kuzino out at the same hillside from the beginning of the sh- episode. And he's going to shoot him in the forehead. And he's doing the same thing where he and he started um, he started picturing shooting people in the forehead while they're talking to him. That's becoming a thing. But uh, he uh, he comes up with a way. Oh, I can earn your forgiveness. And I think what's going to happen is he's going to try to get Kuzino apart on Sarah's show. And what I think is going to happen is I think the studio is going to react positive with Kuzino. And he's going to start taking the show over from her. And Interesting. That's where I think that particular part of the plot. Because there's like, what, six different plots juggling? There's like the NoHo Hank situation. That, we got whatever's going like, on with Frears because Frears is hiding out. In Chechnya. In Europe somewhere, yeah. He's in Chechnya. And he's and Hank is planning on pinning By the way, everything on I him. want that guy to die so bad, but like I'm so happy Steven Root is somehow still on the show. He was supposed to die in the first episode. You know that, right? <laughs> like he was supposed to die and they he's loved so him good. so much in the first episode. Yeah, of course. Bill he's Hader talked to him and was like, Would you be willing to like if this gets picked up, would you be willing just to stay on the show? And he was like, Yeah, absolutely. So he like kept him alive in the pilot. Yeah, he's great. Fuchs. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Steven, Steven Root's Root. amazing. You know what sucks? For that guy, though, is that every time he goes to a new movie set, uh, he has to sign a bunch of staplers for everybody. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> like, I just saw just some. Think- I just saw some article that said, "Please stop having Stephen Root sign all your staplers." Because <laughs> like- it's got to be annoying. Because, like, let's say you're somebody like Billy Zabka, all you got to do is carry around a bunch of headshots. 
That's easy to carry. Steven Root's got to carry like a box of staplers. Honest that's to God, way, that's got some weight. You know to what's it. weird about that? I never would have thought of that. Like he's if, got a trunk he's one of those of guys. He's one of those guys who I know his name, so I would have just been like Stephen Root. I love you, and I think the fact that like he heard me say his name, he'd be like cool because yeah. he's a character actor. A lot of people Dude, don't know his name. If I met Stephen Root, I would be like listing every single thing he's ever done. I feel and, like and that's... why they're all the best. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. I would... I'm always paranoid that, like, I don't want to ever annoy a celebrity that I admire. So I would probably be like, dude, I love your acting. Like, you're great. Well, I mean, and I, think I probably it all just depends. leave it at that. It all depends. There's now, if I had a beer with them and got to talk with them for a while, I'd be like, what are the Coens like? You'd like, I'd probably ask the same questions he gets asked all the time, but like, I don't see that happening. There's certain people that you'll just kind of lose your shit over versus. Oh, dude. Other, like, never want to make Nine Inch Nails. Like,. <laughs> <laughs> like Trent like, Reznor. Oh, I want to. No, I, I, I do not want to because, like, I feel like I would come off as a stalker at a certain point because I'd know too much stuff. I want to meet Jim. I think, like, <laughs> I think would be so much fun. Tarantino would be a great guy to meet because, like, <sighs> you could literally just <clears throat> mention one movie and just sit back and listen to him talk for the next two and a half hours. That's easy, dude. And yeah. then at the end of it, he's like, "Hey, thanks, man," and like shakes your hand because, like, Tarantino? you just me- yeah, because yeah. you just mentioned a movie. As long as you don't interrupt him, like, he's gonna fucking love talking. That's the perfect celebrity interaction. I get to listen to Tarantino talk about movies for two and a half hours, and I never had to worry about saying something stupid you know i always i also think it would be really fun to meet conan o'brien or to talk to him i feel like he'd be a dick no that's <laughs> exactly wrong In like a fun way but, see, but no no still... well see but that's the thing the thing is is if he thinks that you would enjoy him being a dick then he won't stop being a dick that's true he's got that comedian gene he where he wants to please everybody has to please yeah that's yeah. the thing is he needs that shit he needs so <laughs> i so, think you're right actually i wouldn't even have to wind him up I could just be excited that he's there and he would feed off of that. Were we going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter? Eh, who gives a fuck? Yeah, fuck hey, you, guess Elon what? Musk. Elon I don't do Musk Twitter anyway. spent $44 billion to buy Twitter because he, he's a jackass. And I wonder, can't pay taxes. I wonder what's going to happen cool. to that, e, that one Twitter account that just tracks his private jet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's going to get closed using, down. Using publicly available information it's not stalking him doesn't it's not, matter it's not follow i'm just saying like people He'll rewrite the people bylaws call it to like stalking. not that twitter account <laughs> people call it are, are accusing the guy that has the account of stalking elon musk but he's not stalking elon musk because he's only tracking the planes movement i like how you've become like the southern lawyer for this guy you're like ladies and gentlemen oh, of the jury he now, doesn't uh, need my help <laughs> Now, I might just be a simple Southern lawyer here, but uh, my client clearly was not watching Elon Musk. He was just reading some on the old CNN. I ain't no Southern lawyer. I'm a caveman lawyer. <laughs> I may just be a simple caveman. <laughs> but he actually, Elon Musk gospered the guy uh, like a thousand bucks to shut it down. And the guy was like, Fuck you, you're rich, dude. A thousand bucks is nothing to you. You could go higher. And so he like set a number and Elon Musk is like, fuck you. And then he's like, all right, I was going to shut it down anyways. <laughs> he's just having fun. It's mostly self-automated at this point. He doesn't have to do much. What he doesn't realize is that pissing off a billionaire is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's, where you wind up on the bad end of a Barry situation. It's worse for you if you do it privately. He's doing it publicly. That makes it harder. 
for the for the rich guy to do something about. I it. guess like is that, does anybody know this guy? You know what I mean? Like as far as we know, I mean, he might know just be in name. his parents' basement. And then all he's got to do is just like pay the cable company he's... to make sure that the internet never goes back on in Why his do house. Why you, you go back to parents' <laughs> basement again? I mean, as far as I, I know, did on the in, podcast, as, that was that was a new thing. As far as I know, he is in college right now or going to uni. But as far as, as you know, he's British also in his parents' say. basement. He could, but that's a perfectly normal. Do, does place. he even have a name, or is it just like Elon Musk travels? Count is run by a bot. I did he read built. he's going to like really crack down on a lot of the bots, which he's... is fine. You know, it's just to target this one guy. Yeah, it's, it's all that one guy. <laughs> well, that's one of the jokes going around is that he's really petty. <laughs> he's so petty. <laughs> is it a joke? Is it? <laughs> Depends on who you talk all jukes, to. All jokes are rooted in. A lot of weird ass nerds are stepping up to defend Elon Musk and have been for years. Oh, yeah, I know. There's always people that want to defend the rich guy. They're called bootlickers. I'm not going to go any more into the rich guy thing. I could do fucking hours. Hey, hey, Elon Musk, you want to buy Spotify too? I like how you're like, I'm not going to talk about Elon Musk. We're like 10 minutes into talking about Elon Musk. You're going to have to buy Stitcher too. Yeah, please. Buy, you can buy a Stitcher. Elon I don't Musk give a shit. Nobody fucking listens to us on t- Stitcher, dude. Shut us down. We, no, he doesn't give a fuck about us. We're nobodies. No, but it's if you wanted to fuck us over, Anchor is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to fuck us over, the best way to do that is to give us money. We'll shut up for money. I won't. I got integrity. I take the money integrity. off mic. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Brandon? So I did go see everything every, everywhere, everywhere all at once. once. Yeah, everything. Bagel. Could you not remember after you saw those chapters? Well, the third the third chapter is really short. Fuck, dude. Okay, it's a what two hour twenty minute movie? I think. Yeah. So like typical superhero length thing. Yeah. And it's that kind of movie where like you know I I didn't really feel it, but they do the first chapter is like everything, and that is. One hour and ten minutes into the movie, probably, and yeah. you're like, and I remember just feeling it because everybody's having a fun time. But you're like, what? They're just doing the chapter, chapter break one. now, and then they do the everywhere. Maybe another hour later, and then they do the third title like five minutes before it ends. So it's just like this fake out of like you're gonna <laughs> like they're literally just fucking with the audience when they do it. Yeah, there's a million things I love about this movie. What would you like to focus on? Review I read is it is the most Douglas Adams movie that has ever like if you would have told me that this was written by Douglas Adams, I would have believed that because hmm. it is. That's no small praise. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, it's a sci-fi premise, but it's, you know, really rooted in a lot of heart. It's definitely goofy like a Douglas Adams. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why I really glabbed on it because it was, I mean, the mo- one of the most heart-touching sequences. Or- By the way, we're going to spoil this for people worried about it. So yeah, let's fucking turn the shit off if you don't want to hear it. So one of the most like interesting like tug at the heartstrings is a conversation between two rocks. Right? <laughs> but also because it's two rocks in a universe where life never developed, but then they do a slow pan over and then, like, huge laugh when they show the googly eyes on the rock. It's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? There's so many things like that. They have 
this convention in the movie where they do something crazy to launch to this other universe, and then you can take something from that universe and then use it subsequently in the universe that you're in. And so they have to, like, eat chapstick. Or uh, there's one part where to get to this one universe, it says to insert an anal plug. (laughs) And then there's this, like, award that they have in this tax lady's desk that's a basically shaped like a butt plug so they do this giant kung fu fight to get to the butt plug and then this one guy just goes leaping out in slow motion and launches his ass onto the butt plug and then there's another guy that comes through a portal and he's already got a butt plug in him and they're like just having this intense fight like and then she's fighting him with like a double dildo that bloodies his nose there's like blood dripping off of the edge of the dildo like Fucking nuts, dude. There's so the fucking hot dogs finger world. Like yeah, they just like, have they hot dogs have, like, for the, fingers. They're just they have bendy. hot dogs for fingers. And they're like at the end, like foot long hot dog fingers, and then like they painted on nails on the end. Like I don't know if you actually <laughs> caught that. I did. <laughs> It's just like, and it's so fucking goofy, but that all leads to like, by the way, Jamie Lee Curtis, never better than in this movie. Like that leads her, who is the antagonist to her in all these other worlds. You see that like they fall in love together and have an affair and like they have this very important thing. You think the hot dog thing is just goofy for a while as it becomes this like quiet lesbian drama that's happening. But then like she plays the piano with her feet and you realize like, Oh, that's why they have the hot dog finger, because they have to introduce her playing piano with the feet, which is going to come back in this other world in an important way. Like, that's the thing is they have these goofy things, but all the goofy things service another story somewhere of like the 15 stories that they're carrying or whatever it is. It's kind of amazing, right? Yeah, it's I was really impressed by this movie. Yeah. Um what do you think it, it'll change movies? Like, what's your opinion on that? Do you think I'm overstating it? L- let me let me put this out there because I, I don't think I really like fully talked about it last week. But like, I think it's going to change other movies because I've been looking at the way TikTok is like shortening younger people's attention span. And I think the way that this movie, like the editing of it, the way that they edit this movie and the way that they splice so many plots together, like they have all these little short hits of story, but you get a lot of story intertwined quickly so that like you actually get real stories with all of this stuff. I just feel like they're going to do this with editing more because like as people are younger and they can't hold their attention as much. I feel like this is a thing that will hold their attention. Like editing so much faster now than it was in the 80s. And the 80s was way faster than it was in the 70s. You know what I mean? It's just getting faster and faster. I kind of feel like the way they do this is a potential way forward. I don't mean like jumping through the multiverse, but I mean like the way that they just go to a quick story and then go to these other ones, but find a way to like make you track all of these stories. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I would agree with that. Like I think that, they're the same story, but different perspectives. So it's not necessarily like 10 different things that are disconnected. It's the same story almost in a different way. In this other universe, she's a opera singer or like a... She's an actress. Act- oh, she's an actress. Yeah. but She's basically playing herself. Yeah. They don't say that, but she's basically yeah. playing herself. But she didn't end up with the uh, the husband in this universe, but they still know each other. Cause like during when they were growing up, like there was a point where like the dad made him choose like 
you can stay with me and be part of the family, or you can be. What's the name of that on. actor who plays the dad? I forgot to mention um, the last one. He was in Big Trouble in Little China. James Hong. Yeah, James Hong. Oh, dude, he's so fucking good in this movie. Everybody is so good. At- Short round's amazing in this movie. Yeah, he is. It fractures off, and then, but those two characters are still connected. Like, and you know, they have a conversation like out behind the movie theater, like between these two, and they're having the conversation because they don't have that intimate chemistry like husband and wife, but you know, former friends growing up in high school or whatever it was. Like they know each other and have that little bit of chemistry, but that actually drives in the main characters. It makes her respect her husband more when she can see that outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's There's really interesting ways in which they deliver all the stuff. And there's no true villain of the story because everybody you see other sides of and realize that nobody's really totally evil and nobody's totally good, right? Yeah. I I fucking love this movie. What was the biggest laugh in your theater? I can tell you the one it was at my showing. The butt plug was pretty close. Like when that dude leaps in slow motion on the <laughs> yeah, butt plug. Yeah, he like drops trout and is like feet up in the air like doing a cannonball on it. <laughs> And they pixelate his ass, too, which just made it funnier for some reason. But uh, because they were just like, we're going to get out ahead of this. And also, we're not going to make our actor actually, like, leap ass first onto a butt plug, you know. But um, the biggest laugh in the theater was when they're in the hot dog universe and they showed the beginnings of that universe and they showed the monolith from 2001. And then the ape hand, like, slaps onto the monolith. It was like... Everybody fucking lost it. Even my daughter, who doesn't know what 2001 is. You know what I mean? Like, she even fucking laughed just at the visual of that. (laughs) So fucking good, dude. That's the other thing about this movie. It references easily like 100 movies, right? Yeah, there's a lot of different references. I think the biggest laugh I saw was the introduced the Kung Fu universe, but then they're like, but there's another Kung Fu universe. (laughs) Where Where you can flick people. Where (laughs) your pinkies. Like, they focus on pinkies, so she has, like, these super buff pinkies. (laughs) She's, like, flicking people across the room with her finger. Uh, That whole movie is so ridiculous and fun, man. Yeah, but it's, I mean, and it's interesting because, like, all of this, like, fun stuff, like, talking about hot dog fingers and all this stuff. and But it's really a movie about staring into the void and depression. I think that's one part of it. That... I do agree yeah. with you. I, I would say that, like, there is no unifying theme to this. I think there's three or four themes that run concurrent. I do think that's one of them because I thought about this a lot. I was like, what is the one string that this movie all hangs on? And I don't think it's one. I think it's a couple. And that's fine. Some movies are like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of layers going on. Like, like I said, there's 15 different plots going on and they all have their own different parts the part that we're the most centered on is probably that nihilistic plot because when you've got an everything bagel that'll destroy the earth that's a pretty big deal right so the comic book nerds in us want to focus on that right like we feel like that's the most important thing but also because we watch so many marvel movies and dc movies and all this shit but like there's a comic book movie going on in here there's a kung fu movie going on here multiple types of kung fu movies right like uh steven chow there's like one of his movies going on in this there's a kubrick movie going on in this there's like a quiet uh lbgtq two of 
those storylines going on in it, right? Yeah. Uh, there's definitely like a mother-daughter story that runs pretty thick through this. There's like a divorce story that's running through this. I'm not even scratching the surface here. I could go on and on. Like there's more stories going on in this, but it's impressive. And it's impressive that they're able to like throw all of this against the wall and have it be cohesive and work. That's the fucking crazy thing about this movie is that you see so much of this and you're like, it all fucking ties together. How the fuck does this all tie together? That's amazing. I'm going to have to watch this movie like 20 times before I think I 100% understand it, you know? Yeah. And I can't wait to, honestly. If I had the money, I would go right back to the theater to go watch it again. So. No, I was, I was really glad I went and saw that in the theater. And I know my kiddo was kind of laughing, but like, so that scene in the the outside the movie theater and then like intercut with like the uh the rocks and basically it was like her reconciling her relationship with her husband dude i was bawling yeah dude like the same theater that people were like cracking up and so hard like people had tears streaming in their eyes too just depending on what part of the movie you're in it's incredible man and they like lace back and forth between it too and you never get that emotional whiplash, which is also amazing. They know how to like transition back to the laugh and then back down to the the low part. You know, it's impressive. I, I yeah, I would just really, really encourage people who are listening to this who still haven't watched this movie, like go support your independent theater and like go see this movie. Yeah, don't see it at the big theater if you can help it. Like go to a yeah, tiny it, place it, it, and go it had see already this. left the Myrna when I went to go. Oh, see did it? it? God yeah. damn, Cinemark, dude. Yeah, fuck I you, was, Cinemark. Fuck, I was pissed. Yeah, because I I really did want to see it in the Myrna because I I'd rather support the local theater. The other thing is, I mean, it's got a a fairly girthy runtime, like two and twenty minutes. Yeah, it, it's a Marvel runtime, but it flows so well. Like there's the only time you feel the time is when they do the chapter breaks because they're fucking with you. That's the only time, right? Yeah. There's no point where you're like, oh, are they going to wrap this up anytime soon? Because you're like, I kind of don't want to see it wrapped up because I'm enjoying this ride. Yeah, it's good, man. They could have made this a three-hour movie, and I would have loved it. They left me wanting more. Yeah. Any other business to cover here? Anybody? I did see the Batman, but we'll save that review for... All right. We're going to talk about the Batman next week. (laughs) I know you guys are clamoring to hear our opinions on the Batman. Like how for the last maybe several months, the Weekly Planet guys end every episode with, oh, what, have we forgotten anything? Snake Eyes? Oh, we'll get Snake Eyes next week. <laughs> oh, no, no. I heard them, and they're totally talking about it next week. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I don't know if you got to the end of this episode, but <laughs> all right, take it easy. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account, and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast, or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safer Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell vision you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. 
Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project. 